Hey guys, you're listening to the Gen Pop Podcast with me, your host, Larry Doyle. Where each week, I'm going to bring in friends, guests, and experts to help enhance your health, fitness, and wellness journeys. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversations. So it's my absolute pleasure to have Annika McGivern on the Gen Pop Podcast. Annika, you're very welcome. Thank you so much, Larry. I'm really excited to be here. We're going to have a really cool and fun conversation on this one, I think, and, and dig into a few interesting topics. But before we do, can you give the listeners a 30-second elevator pitch on who Annika is? I would love to. So I am originally from Canada, but I've been living in Ireland for the past three years. And I work as a sport exercise and performance psychology coach, which is a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> but basically what that means is I work with people on the mental side of performance. And uh, performance, you know, it, it comes up in people's lives in a lot of different ways. So sometimes that's performance in sport. Sometimes that's performance in the gym. And sometimes that's performance in our career or even just in our lives. And so that's what I do. I help people understand how to use their brain as a resource uh, to perform and really kind of get the most out of their their work and their lives. That's awesome because the big missing link in this, and particularly from coaches' point of view and like from personal trainers or fitness or whatever coach, we love our products so much. And it's all about the sets and the reps and the macros and everything with this. But like, if the head is not there, the body won't follow. Right? And that's it's a huge missing link. And this is something I want to jump into with you because like it, it's obviously a vital topic. And that if we don't cover this with people and it may not be the sexiest thing, or you might have to ask yourself some difficult questions, or you might have to dig into some, you know, areas of your life that you want to avoid for the most part. But it is so essential for long-term success for people. And you know, that's that's what we're all about here, is setting that up with long-term success and how we can make it more sustainable, but also for the long game in mind. With people when they're starting off on their journeys, when they're starting off on their exploration of maybe a new lifestyle or whatever the goal may be, insert goal here, we tend to look at like the upper echelons of that uh, and look at the athletes. We look at the high performers. We look at the Olympic athletes. We look at those who are like massively excelling in those specific areas. They've got a a very deep and honed in skill set, but the individual who's looking at that may not be remotely one percent of that as well too what's the what's the difference there or kind of should we be looking to those athletes or those high performers for that inspiration or what's your approach there with that or what's your opinion so i think um whenever we start out in a goal setting process um what we want to make sure that we do is that we give ourselves space to do exactly what you just said there look look around us and really open our mind to what could be possible Sometimes we get almost too specific uh, and we have too much of a short-term focus with our goals. And sometimes when we only really focus on the short-term, we may look at those inspirational people like the athletes and performers that we see around us. And all we can see is the, the, the seemingly enormous gap between you know where they seem to be and where we seem to be. And that can actually be incredibly discouraging and kind of feed into this story of they have something special that I don't have. And so why would I even start, you know, why would I even uh, set goals around trying to get where they are? And so um, to start out on a goal setting process, uh, one of my favorite questions to, to ask clients is if you're, if you were living an extraordinary life five to 10 years from now, what would that look like? And really encouraging them to kind of just go into like a dreaming headspace of like, really like letting go of what feels plausible or possible. What do I really want? 
And yeah, if they look at, you know, if they see uh, inspiration or they get inspiration in that dreaming process from people who are doing incredible things, then amazing. And um, so if we can really uh, think big or kind of zoom out and get in touch with what is it that I really want to be doing and living um, and using those people as inspiration, then we can kind of work backwards from that and go, okay, if that's really what I want, what do I need to start doing today, tomorrow, next week, next year to actually move myself towards that? Um, so in a roundabout way, you know, yes, I think we do want to look to those people for inspiration and uh, acknowledge that what's gotten to them where they are, as you said, is a, is a really specific set of skills, but it's not some uh, natural, unattainable, um, you know, magical <laughs> talent that they magically have and we magically don't. It's just skills. And a skill is something that anybody can learn. And so we can get really curious then about, okay, what is the difference between me and them? And what do I have to learn from what they've done to get where they are? Then we start to find some really interesting sources of, of inspiration for, for like immediate action. And I think that's a really um, lovely point you made about the, like the visualizing the five to 10 year path or the journey, because, you know, we look at these and we kind of, you know, it's, it's like an overnight success. And there's that saying of like you saying bold train for four years to run nine and a half seconds. Right. But we we only look at that nine and a half seconds and we forget about the years and years and years. But now you're able to create that blueprint. You're able to create that vision for someone to actually say, well, OK, well, I want to go there. I'm going to map it out. And I often use Google Maps as kind of the, the visualization with that. Well, you don't just look at Dublin where you're in Wexford and it's like pin the gap in between. You've, you've got to drive that path as well, too. And how much is that is is creating, I guess, they're coming from a position with being in a fixed mindset. And now they're, you're creating the path of visualization of that growth mindset. Is that right? Where you're trying to really go from with that point of view? Yeah. And often through that process, we have to battle with our own internal fixed mindset. So absolutely. When, we, when we're stuck in a place of, you know, they have, some, they have some sort of natural ability that I could never have because of, you know, my circumstances, my genetics, my own life path. Um, then that is the, the, you know, the core characteristics of a, of a, of a fixed mindset. We're saying to ourselves, there's a cap or there's a limit on my ability. And I already know what that limit is. And so there's no point in trying. And so anytime we engage in a really like exciting goal setting process, um, we are having to pull on and switch into this kind of growth mindset, uh, approach where we go, well, hang on a sec. My skill and my ability right now is just a reflection of where I am right now. And better is always possible. Um, and so I often use the example of, you know, with people saying, look, growth mindset doesn't mean that I believe that if I work on something, I'm going to become an overnight success or an overnight expert in it. Or, you know, it's not that if I decide <clears throat> tomorrow that I'm going to start playing basketball that I'm and put a lot of effort into it, that I'm going to, you know, become Michael Jordan. That's unlikely. But I do know that if I, and I use basketball because I have absolutely zero skill in basketball, <laughs> never played basketball. But I do know that if I actually, you know, put time and effort into basketball and started picking that up tomorrow, that I'd probably become pretty good at basketball over time. And probably importantly, much better than I could ever have imagined being at this point in time. So a fixed mindset stops us from, it holds us back from even trying because we've already decided we can't do something. Um, and so, yeah, you know, growth mindset is so essential to allowing ourselves to dream and then allowing ourselves to take the leap of faith that is starting to take actions towards that dream, even if that dream doesn't feel super real or tangible yet. 
So let's say you've got somebody in and they've got the most wild, vivid imagination of this <clears throat> five to 10 year path and they've gone batshit crazy with the visualization. How, how do you manage those expectations then as well too? Because like they, they've created this path and they've painted this beautiful uh, Picasso vision of it all. And you're like, well, actually let's tame it back here. Like how, how do you manage those expectations? <laughs> so I always see my role is never to curb somebody's dreams um, because there's wild stories out there, you know, like I was speaking with a, with a group recently and I used some example similar to this, you know, you know um, that if somebody came in, um, you know, and said there, maybe they were extremely poor say, and they came in and they're like, I'm going to be a millionaire in three years. Your instinct might be depending on your own beliefs and biases around what's possible with money, your instinct might be, Whoa, let's pull back a bit there. Let's tone that down. You know, you're setting yourself up for failure. And I was using that example. And one of the people in the call actually piped up and said, actually, I know someone who did that. I know that exact story. And I was like, oh, isn't that perfect? Because that's exactly it. We don't know what's possible. And who are we to tell someone that something isn't possible? So what I would do, I see my role is in whatever dream somebody comes up with, it's my job to help them make that really tangible. A dream, if you can't connect a dream back to concrete actions, to concrete steps, if you can't create a plan around that, that you believe in, that you believe your identity aligns with, that your values align with, you know, then that starts to become maybe uh, impossible. But, um, but I believe that uh, even taking actions towards that impossible dream is going to move, still move someone in a really positive direction in alignment with what's important with them, important to them. So I would just say, okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> but like, let's, like, let's really break this down. Let's make this tangible. What are we actually saying here? What are you actually committing to doing in the next three years, you know, 12 months, two months, one month, you know, week. And often as you force someone to really make that more tangible and concrete, the more maybe fantastical or un unachievable elements of that dream become more obvious. And maybe it shifts and settles into something that, that is more achievable. And how often will you see that where they create this vision and then as they're on that path and journey that it shifts? Because we often get this like, uh, you know, this perfect picture in our head, but like life is going to happen. There's going to be curveball or there's going to be sidesteps or there's going to be shit happens kind of essentially, right? And do you often see that, that it ends up not actually going towards, even though it's a successful path they create, is it towards the actual goal all the time that they've set out initially, or does it tend to take a different path or route? Sometimes it does. Absolutely. Um, because life is really, as you say, extremely unexpected. Um, but what I do find is that um, if you can bring your, if you can bring an awareness of your personal values into that goal setting from the start, and if you can be sure that the goal you're setting is in alignment with your own personal values, um, what that does is that even the people who end up on a slightly different path from the one that they first set out on, what I find is that they find a path that still is in alignment with their values. So maybe they're doing something differently, but it's still achieving the same experience for them in their life. So maybe it's a different career, but they're still helping people. Um, you know, maybe uh, the wor their workday doesn't actually look like what they envisioned, but it's still flexible and it's still giving them time to spend with their family. So the 
I think actually that understanding our values, understanding what it is to live to our values is nearly more important than than the goal that we set to achieve that because the goal can change and the pathway can change. But as long as we still end up somewhere where we are in alignment with those values, people feel feel successful. They feel they've achieved what they set out to achieve. Mm. And you've mentioned values there a lot. And it's this kind of buzzword, I guess, that gets thrown around, but people never really look at it that much because like, oh, yeah, I like those things. But like when you really dig into values, that can, that can get super layered, right, as well, too? Absolutely, yeah. And how do you go about establishing those values? Now, obviously, we've got a, a limited time, and I'm, I'm not saying put all your life work into like 10 minutes here in a conversation with this, but like how do you go about establishing true values with people? So it is a bit of a of a kind of a process of diving into, as you say, into some sometimes layers. Sometimes the first set of values we come up with um, isn't where we should stop. You know, it's that's just sort of a starting point. Um, so I usually start if someone has no ideas. I, I usually just start with sharing lists of things that are values with people, just to kind of spark their imagination, and ask them to go through and and grab the ones out of those lists that that they really kind of connect with or resonate with. And um, that can be great, too, because sometimes if we don't have that source of inspiration, we all kind of land on very similar values, things that our culture tells us are values and which are important things like honesty, loyalty, integrity. Right. Um, And those are, of course, great values, but they're not super personalized or individualized to us. You know, they're things that we kind of all subscribe to. Um, Where it gets really interesting is like, what's what's your personal value? Like, do you value adventure? Do you value stability? Do you value community? Do you value independence? Like those are the ones that start to get really interesting because those are a little, tell you a little bit more about who you are as an individual, as opposed to what culture you come from. Um, And so, yeah, so it's a process of just looking for inspiration. Um, I usually ask people to come up with a list of like 20 to start and then go through a process of kind of grouping them because what you'll see in that list of 20 that all of a sudden as you look through it, oh yeah, that's actually really similar to that. I've got kindness and affection here. I've got belonging and community. Okay, maybe those can actually be grouped because they're sort of speaking to the same thing. Um, and then kind of, so then through that grouping process, it kind of uh, whittles it down to maybe uh, five to 10. And then from that five to 10, it can be really interesting to think about, okay, which of these values are at the top of my list right now for where I am at this point in my life? Because values will move around depending on where we are, you know, what, and it's not that we lose our values. It's just that they change in order of priority. So in our 20s, freedom and adventure might be super high. And as we move into our 30s and 40s, we still, if we value freedom and adventure, that's not going away. But stability and family may kind of creep up and take that first spot, which then influences some of the choices we're making right around our time and and actions. Um, So it's about coming back to it frequently. Um, engaging in sort of an ongoing reflection process with your values, seeking out resources like podcasts and interviews and TED Talks where they speak about values because that will really deepen your understanding of what they mean to you. And then lastly, not just leaving it as a word, but instead going, okay, if I'm choosing connection here as one of my top values, what does that mean to me? What does connection mean to me personally? Because connection might mean something different to me than it does to you, right? If we were to ask ourselves right now to explain it. 
And what it means to us connects into then what it means to live to that value in terms of concrete actions. And like, that's where the magic happens. If we can get really clear on what it means to live to that value every single day, then we start to be able to, then the value becomes a resource in terms of how we make decisions. And then the selection process of the goals becomes easier as well, because you're living in line with your values, right? And is that often the case? Is kind of, the, I guess, the chicken or the egg question. What comes first? Is it the goal or the value? Like, what what do you look for with people first? I go for values first because I think the values, clarity around values, helps us uh, clarify our goals and set better goals. Um, often, when we get clear on values, people uh, completely change. The, they may have come to me with a list of goals, and then uh, after we're clear on values, that that whole list changes. <laughs> which is a really interesting experience. And again, it's not that they're dramatically different, but but the type of goal or, or what's involved in the goal or the way they're going to go about the goal, that may shift. Yeah, it, it's huge. And when we talk about goal setting, then like what's your kind of key tools that you go to? Or have you got kind of a, I guess there's never going to be a set rule around goal setting, but have you got some uh, tips on that with goal setting? Yeah, goal setting is fascinating because it's something that like there's so many tools out there. You know, you can do quick Google. They're smart. There's all these kind of acronyms and and model modules and models, um, and so it can actually it can either be oversimplified or it can be overcomplicated. <laughs> so I try to find something in the middle. Um, there's a few key things that we know are really important. So number one, uh, to do that zoom out first that we talked about earlier. So get that big picture clarity of what it is that you really want, excuse me. <clears throat> and then zoom in from there, use that as your kind of guiding uh, framework to then determine the shorter term goals. That's really important. Once we have that bigger picture uh, vision, we want to make sure that we're getting extremely clear and tangible about the goals that we set for ourselves. One of the biggest hiccups is that we set goals that are too vague. We say, okay, I want to get in shape. Great. It's a great starting point, but like what, 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 what does that entail? What are you do? <laughs> There's a thousand ways you can do that successfully. So how are you going to do it? And what is that going to look like in your life? Um, so clarity. And then we need to think about where are we getting our feedback from? Like, how do we know if we're going to, if we're being successful or doing the right things, moving in the right direction? Um, how are we going to check in and determine our progress? Where is that feedback coming from? And then lastly, it can be really useful to actually consider all of the obstacles that might come up in the process of, of achieving this goal. Because sometimes we set the goal and we just go, okay, this is what we're doing. It's all going to be perfect. And it's almost like we're like, la, 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 nothing's going to go wrong. <laughs> it's all going to be fine. Um, but it, but that's not reality. And so if we fail to kind of anticipate and assume that there's going to be obstacles and you know failure and mistakes along the way, we're setting ourselves up for an experience of, of failure. Whereas if we go, okay, um, I want to get my goals to get in shape. I've drilled down now with, with to get specific that's going to involve some running and some fitness classes and uh, maybe some community uh, groups. And um, so what's going to get in my way? Okay, time's going to be a big factor. My work could be a factor. My family could be a factor. Are the people around me supportive of, of that? Are they likely to be supportive or kind of hindering me? Um, so the more we can actually really think about it and go, right, what's likely to be difficult, what's likely to go wrong, then we can go, okay, so now that I know that that's a likely obstacle, how am I going to meet that obstacle? How am I going to work around that? And so actually research shows that when we take this step, 
it actually makes us 70% more likely to be successful in our goals just by anticipating the obstacle and making a plan for how we would like to handle that obstacle. And how much of that, given consideration to failure or thinking about failure, like <clears throat> people have this fear mm-hmm. of failure. Mm-hmm. And is, is it that fear of failure that causes them not to assess failure and create that plan B? I think so. I think that we we all have this kind of deep subconscious discomfort around even the idea of failure. And so we avoid thinking about it just to protect ourselves from that. And I think that's really, really natural. And so um, I think number one, it's really useful to just redefine what failure actually is. So we often, if I, I always ask people, very commonly ask people what failure means to them, can you define failure to me? And, and I'll get a huge range of responses. We don't really have a clear, solid definition for failure, right? It's everything from not meeting my goal to not measuring up to expectations um, and, you know, so many different things. And so I believe that when you really boil it down to its essence, failure is just something not working out the way we expected it to or hoped it would. And that definition is so much easier to face (laughs) than all the scary stories that we build around failure in our head. And so step one, you'll get clear on what failure actually is and recognize that it is completely unavoidable in a goal seeking process in a high performance environment. If you want high performance, if you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, if you want to learn more, grow more, failure is an unavoidable part of that process. It's not something we can protect ourselves from. It is going to happen. And so with that awareness, we can say, okay, I can't stop it from happening. But part of high performance is just managing my failures really well, managing my mistakes really well. And part of that is uh, what helps me to do that successfully is to, to look at the possibilities full in the face and go, okay, what could happen here? Where am I likely to slip up? Where, what's likely to go wrong? And what, what you find is that by going through that process and imagining all the ways that you're, you can handle all those different slip-ups and mistakes, it actually really builds our sense of confidence in our ability to reach that goal. Um, and it can be really, really uh, powerful, actually, in a really positive way to go through that process. Mm. And I guess that comes back to the growth mindset again of like when you look at uh, Carl Dweck's work on that and it's like, you know, it's the whole not yet that you haven't failed it's just not yet and that that's a really really huge one from that perspective with it all um what other limiting beliefs then or limiting factors do you find that people struggle with when it comes to this outside of just the fear of failure then as well too oh, there's there's Where a lot start? there's so much <laughs> variety yeah <laughs> there's so much variety in in the way that our limiting beliefs kind of come up but there's also a huge amount of commonalities um so one that I would see a lot is just this deep down belief that you're not enough. Um, you're not good enough to do this. You're not smart enough to excel. You don't deserve your success. You don't deserve to lose weight. You don't deserve to get the promotion. <clears throat> and so that one, it kind of, <laughs> it kind of uh, takes many shapes but often boils down to just this kind of deep down belief of, of not being good enough and not deserving something. And so that can be really, really common. And um, the way that we can start to challenge that 
is to challenge this notion of, of what is good enough and start to get really curious about what that even means. And what we see is that we have a tendency to tie our sense of worthiness or tie our sense of <clears throat> what is good enough to external factors like our weight, our um, how many accomplishments we have in our life. And if we tie our worth to those external factors, then we're allowing the external factors to control our sense of worthiness. And so the answer to challenging that limiting belief and rewriting it into like an empowering story is to recognize that we have to take back control over determining what it means to be good enough. And we have to base it on things that are entirely in our control. Yeah. And I, like, it, it's something I'll look at with people quite a bit. They'll, they'll come in to me and they'll say, oh, I'm going to be your worst client ever. I'm going to be a failure. And I've tried this so many times. And it's like, it's, uh, well, I, I'm just going to do it anyway, but sure, I know I'm going to fail. I'm like, I, I always try to reframe the mindset that way and say, well, okay, where have you got success in your life? Because like everyone has success in some areas of their life. And I'll try to draw parallels then to say, well, okay, how can we take how you've created success in your business, in your relationships, in your family life, in wherever it may be? And all of a sudden they kind of break down those barriers and say, well, hang on, I'm actually, I'm not that bad all of a sudden. And they create a little bit more compassion around the whole thing as well, and a little bit of understanding. Well, I, I actually am a CEO in my job, but I suck at health and fitness for now. But now let's actually look at how we can create those parallels. And okay, well, how did you get good at your job? How did you get to the next level? Did you get there overnight? Did you create a path? Did you create a journey? And did you get accountable with it as well too? And that's all these, these other factors with it. And then you kind of see this shift in the, the mind as well too, where they start to actually believe it that little bit more. Uh, have you got tools that you draw upon with that to create those parallels or is that something you use or leverage on as well? Yeah, you know, exactly what you just said there, helping people to uh, to actually fully see and understand where they have been successful um, is massive. And so our brain has um, what's called, of course, a negativity bias, where when it comes to ourselves, we tend to disregard um, experiences of success and focus more uh, acutely in on experiences of failure. And especially if that conf is confirming an existing belief. So confirmation bias means, of course, that we're always looking for information that confirms what we believe to be true about ourselves. So if we have a belief that I'm not good at fitness and exercise, then every time we experience a setback or a failure around fitness or exercise, we focus in on that and we disregard any time that we are successful and do make progress because that doesn't fit in with our belief system. The failure fits in with our belief system. And so <clears throat> we, we latch onto that and go, see, haha, I knew it. <laughs> I knew I was terrible at this. Um, and so, yeah, so exactly what you're doing there where you encourage people to, to instead of focusing in on the failures, really see and appreciate and own their successes and then uh, translate those that awareness and skills across is massive um another big piece of that is to um to challenge another limiting belief that kind of links in with that which is the belief that i need to be hard on myself in order to be successful and you said there about bringing self-compassion in, into things and what a difference that makes and um i see this over and over again <clears throat> that we have this belief that if I'm not super critical of myself when I make a mistake, if I don't like um, play that mistake over and over in my mind and really beat myself up for it, 
then I will turn into like a lazy bum. (laughs) And I've had people say that to me, if I'm not mean to myself, I will become lazy. I won't accomplish anything. And that is, it's a completely false belief. And there's, luckily, there's a lot of research now that, that disproves it, that shows that um, in the long term, when we use self-criticism and just meanness to kind of drive ourselves and try to chase ourselves towards our goals, we eventually burn ourselves out. Because what that does is it puts us in a state of negative emotion constantly, which is extremely draining mentally and physically. We just run out of energy and we can't keep going. So if we can turn that on its head and say, actually, the best long-term motivator is not fear and shame. It's actually to focus in on on the rewards, how this is allowing me to live to my values. What fabulous, um, you know, benefits and rewards am I getting from, from working towards this goal? How does the process of working towards this goal give me rewards and benefits and allow me to live in alignment with my values? So um, I come from an equestrian background, so I often use the, the metaphor of, you know, you can, you can get a horse to move in a direction two ways. You can chase it with a stick or you can lead it with a carrot. Both will move the horse in the direction you want, but only one is going to develop a positive relationship with that horse. And so we have to do the same thing with ourselves. We can chase ourselves and it works for a period of time, but eventually we lose trust with ourselves and we, we run out of energy. And so instead we have to get really good at saying, okay, what's my carrot? <laughs> what's the carrot that I'm walking towards? Um, another way of talking about that is to find the pull motivator instead of the push motivator. So what's pulling you towards your goal as opposed to pushing you there? Um, and I find that that is just such a huge piece in helping people to break down the w- the old patterns of how they were trying to be successful in one area and and not being successful and and break that all down and restructure it, you know, as you said, using information from other areas in their lives, changing certain beliefs and approaches to then recognize, yeah, no, actually, I can be successful in this. And then how much should we focus on the small wins? Like, cause you know, we, we tend to disregard these little small wins all the time, but they're the ones that allow us to build momentum. Um, what way do you look at celebrating those wins with clients when they're kind of taking off those little notches along the way to the bigger goal? Yeah, they're so, so important because as you say, that's what gives us the, the sense of continued motivation and energy. Um, we, as humans, we have a need to satisfy, you know, the sense that we are improving and mastering something and moving forward. Um, so I always encourage clients to think about how do you want to celebrate these small, these small goals? People come up with all sorts of different things. Um, one thing that I do, you know, as a, as a psychology or performance coach is I always kind of make like a silly big deal out of it. I think that can be really fun. So, I will, you know, like, um, really make a point of congratulating people and drawing their attention to it and um, emphasizing the work and the effort that they put in to, to make that small win happen. And that helps people, I think, give people permission to, to kind of give themselves that pat on the back and feel that moment. Um, one of the most powerful things we can do, I think, is uh, so look for moments of joy and look for moments of um, something that a mentor of mine calls high performance fun. And so high performance fun is so there's if you think about it, there's different types of fun, there's fun where you know, you're 
on a beautiful patio in a restaurant with your friends, having glasses of wine and great chats and stuff like that's fun. But that's not quite the same type of fun as what we're pursuing in performance, right? Performance fun or high performance fun is those moments of like intense satisfaction when you get something that you've been working towards for so long, and it happens, right? Um, in sport, and it's when the movement or the, you know, the, the process of that sport comes together perfectly, and it just all clicks into place, and you get the goal, or you get the perfect distance to the jump, or, you know, whatever it is. And we, if we can start to actively look for those moments, and even just give ourselves 30 seconds to just like, be fully present in that moment and feel the success and the satisfaction and the joy of that moment. I think even that is enough. And so it's almost like building a habit of that. Then when you celebrate those wins, not to try bring it back to a negative, but do you find that people kind of rest on their laurels then a little bit or to get a bit complacent with I've done a good job. I can now take the next week off kind of thing. No, it's almost the opposite. I honestly find that people are, it's like, oh, I did that. Like, what can I do next? It's the mini drug. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that we have this, this, again, it's kind of like a false story or limiting story in our culture of, yeah, if I'm, if I give myself a big pat on the back, then I'm just going to take the next week off and, and, um, and, and lose my motivation. And so I suppose just to be clear too, like sometimes taking a week off is exactly what you need to do. So um, I think the fear is that um, that if we celebrate, we will lose our drive. We'll lose whatever it is that's pushing us to keep going. And that is not true. When we celebrate and feel those moments of success, it bolsters our commitment and bolsters our drive and, and actually deepens our sense of, of commitment to the process. <clears throat> and um, yeah, and so I think that actually the more we can challenge that own that that story within ourselves and try it, you will experience the reality of how that works if you give it a go. Mm, that's amazing. Really, really useful with that. There, there's loads that we can dig into with this, and I'm, I'm conscious that I want to keep it not concise but really accurate, but also that we're just allowing a lot of actionable tips and actions that people can use with this because there's there's so many avenues. When you start looking at the mind or psychology or how people think and how – like we still don't know. So like there isn't all the definitive answers with that too. But if you had someone now that's thinking about – a journey, thinking about taking on a new goal, thinking about digging into their values, what kind of top tips would you give them around that? So number one, um, spend some time with your values, get clear on the values, do some values exercises. Um, you can find loads even just online um, and try to get a deep sense of, of awareness around what those values are for you. Because those are going to be like your compass through the whole process. They're going to be like your guiding tool that will come in handy with decision making, goal setting. They will also help in moments where your motivation is low and you need to kind of dig deeper and, and find something, that deeper level of commitment that's stronger than just, you know, the sense of, okay, I want to do this today because that will, of course, come and go through the process. Um, so definitely starting there. <clears throat> um, secondly, I would say that as part of the uh, the, op- the sort of anticipating obstacles process that we talked about earlier, um, often we we assume that most of our obstacles will be external. So we immediately, you know, when I ask people to list out obstacles, the first things that that always come to mind are things like time and family and work. And we often f- don't consider that they're the biggest obstacles are typically internal. 
it's our own limiting stories. It's the ideas that we have about who we are and, and our identity and what, and how that kind of fits in with this goal or, or process that we're pursuing. So there's some really important and sometimes uncomfortable um, work to be done um, where we ask ourselves, it actually can be really interesting to start with identity. So once you've set the, the goal or you have an idea of where you want to go, um, to ask yourself, do I see myself as someone who can accomplish this? So for example, if we've decided we want to increase our health and fitness and we've decided that running is going to be part of that, but if um, we have some kind of internal identity as someone who's always hated running and has never been good at running, then that identity is going to sort of constantly pull us back to, to our old behaviors. Because if you're someone who hates running, it just doesn't make sense to run. <laughs> why, why, why would you why? do it? <laughs> right? And so that's always kind of working on, sub, on the subconscious level of our brain. Um, our identity is like a cog, it's like a shortcut that our brain uses to make decisions. Am I going to do that? Am I the type of person that does that? Nope. No, I'm not going to do that. So it's like this process that's happening underneath the surface. And so we have to think about how it's not just about setting the goal. It's starting to shift the way that we see ourselves and talk about ourselves to other people. That's really important as well. Um, to be more in alignment with that goal. So we may need to start thinking about and talking about ourselves or to, to other people as the type of person who gets up earlier, um, enjoys getting up earlier, because actually I've discovered I really love watching the sunrise or I love that extra hour, um, you know, before the kids get up or you need to start talking about yourself as someone who is learning to enjoy running, who's really enjoying the process of giving running a go, Right. And it's important that we ground it in reality and we don't try to fool ourselves into going, oh, my God, I love running now when yesterday we hated running. <laughs> it's probably not true, right? <laughs> but it might be true that you're someone who is learning to love running or learning to enjoy running or enjoying the challenge of running, right? So, so think about what that identity shift looks like for you. And there's a great um, quote by James Clear, the author of Atomic Habits, who I, who I always come back to, and he talks about the fact that we, we get fixed in our identity in the same way that we get fixed in our mindset. We think, okay, this is who I've always been. And so this is who I will always be, which is also not true. And he uses a great phrase where he says, we are always upgrading and expanding our identity, which I love. You know, so it's not that we're losing ourselves. We're just constantly upgrading and expanding. You can be someone who hated running, who is now learning to love running, right? That you mm. can be all of those things. Yeah, that that's huge. Yeah, and there, like, there's so much value in that alone. That it's it's learning that you can change, learning that you can overcome those boundaries that you've set in, or those limiting beliefs that you've set in from that perspective with it all too. And that's so yeah. so valuable for people to understand that. Uh, and like, if people want to learn more, like, because you've obviously got a lot of resources then as well too, because you've been sharing a lot of other people's resources, but you've got a lot of your own. Where can people find out more about that? Yeah, so um, you're uh, of course you can come follow me on on Instagram um, and a little I do I'm primarily share on Instagram, but I do have um, a LinkedIn profile as well, um, and so I use that platform to just share a lot of information about mindset, about kind of all the stuff we've talked about today and more, and how that feeds into performance. And so um, that is just AMP underscore performance psych. 
on Instagram. And then um, my website has a lot of resources on it as well. Other kind of podcast interviews, um, some videos, links to different books, um, a blog as well, where I write about this uh, monthly. And so that's um, just AnnikaMcGivern.com. And so that could be a good place to check out uh, some resources as well. And um, I'm always like really, really happy to to jump on and chat with people um, about where they're at. <clears throat> if anyone's thinking, you know, I might like to work with someone like like Annika, but I'm not really sure. Um, there is always, you know, just a complimentary introduction call with any potential new client. So if anyone's curious about just chatting about it and seeing, you know, is this a fit for me? Is this something I want to, to think about? Um, then that initial conversation is is always on the house. And I think that's really key as well, because like a lot of people think, I guess, when you look at psychology, they think of sitting down on the long couch and the person's holding up cards and, OK, what do you see here? It's like it's it's not such like that. It's not digging in that deep or, or uh, anything like that to that degree. But I'll put all those in the show notes as well, too, and all the links attached. Uh, but there's been tons of value. I think we're going to have to jump on another uh, podcast and another time to dig deeper because there's so much that we can that we can go into because this is only the tip of the iceberg with this uh, but for now Annika I'm really uh, appreciative of your time and thank you so much for coming on for the chat today it's been such a pleasure thank you so much for a great chat Larry.